David Woodwell with the Pennsylvania Environmental Council, and thank you for listening again to Pennsylvania's Legacies, this podcast series we have talking with folks in the environmental and conservation movement in Pennsylvania, sort of what makes them tick, where they're from, uh, and people from all over, whether it's nonprofits, government, industry, uh, an opportunity to really talk to them, and hopefully you get to learn and have some insight into what's going on in this world in the Commonwealth. Uh, with us today here at Very Tight Recordings in Sharpsburg, Pennsylvania, is Evan Griffin, who is working at the moment with the Foundation for Pennsylvania Watersheds, and great background. And the difference with Evan that we've got from a lot of our guests at this point and want to change, though, is that he is young. He is not part of this sort of aging out group in that we talk with all the time and really represents a part of the future of conservation, probably here in Pennsylvania and elsewhere. So, Evan, welcome to this. Thank you. Thank Very you glad to have you. And you know, you're you're a Central Pennsylvania guy, correct? I am. And uh, how'd that influence what you're doing today? So I grew up in Central Pennsylvania. Um, uh, worth noting is I was born in upstate New York in the Finger Lakes region. Grew up since about third grade in State College, Pennsylvania. Went to Penn State University and studied geography. So. Growing up, I, I was sort of raised hiking in the woods of Pennsylvania through the Allegheny Plateau, the two places I'm from sort of bound that region. So I wasn't always aware of what I was seeing, but uh, I grew up backpacking, avoiding the orange streams, not drinking from them, <laughs> right. knowing not exactly what it is, but knowing that it's not something you want inside of you. Um, and then I've always had an interest in ecology, and uh, as I studied geography at Penn State, I learned to be able to um, interpret the landscape a little bit better. Well, let me, so, add, let me ask this. Geography, because there are a bunch of folks who end up sort of doing environmental conservation who come out of geography and this technical stuff. And a lot of times I think people think more about the ecology side and the other piece. How's geography get you into this? So a lot of times when I tell people that I study geography, they say, so you know all the capitals of all of the states and all of the <laughs> boundaries, etc. But um, the focus of geography is sort of looking at the world and how we navigate it in a non-divided way. So you can study ecology, but studying ecology without studying politics, without studying the economic pressures that can cause environmental degradation, you sort of miss a large chunk of the picture. So part of the interconnectivity. So is, this, is it a technology thing? Is it a way to bound and describe the or unbound, I think from what you're saying, unbound, unbound the world yeah. to really understand how all this stuff works together? I think that, that, in my opinion, is the main value of geography, is the study of interconnectivity. However, it's a, an excellent sort of developing technological aspect of it. So geographic information systems is a, is a way to look at many different types of data geographically layer them on top of each other and see how all of these different factors interact and uh, how well, you can address problems. All right, so let me, I'm going to riff on that a little bit, because mm -hmm. for a long time, people were looking at GIS as the answer, but it's really a tool. GIS right? does not give you answers. It uh, paints better pictures, I would say, but it's, it still takes a good analysis. Hey. All right, so Pennsylvanians for a long time were known for not moving very far or not experiencing anything. I mean, so, mm -hmm. yeah, I, was, I grew up in Pittsburgh. I'm here. Uh, you grew up in State College. You're there, that kind of thing. But in between, you have not stayed put. 
No, no, I've not. I've uh, sort of been two phrases in my life. One is a, is a wanderlust and one is a connection to home. So when I was in school, I, I did ecology research in South Africa, uh, got to travel to the Okavango region in Botswana, actually did some watershed-related research there in terms of periodic flooding in agriculture. But uh, the longer that I stayed outside of the country, the, the more that I realized that um, sort of where I belonged and where I could best address problems is where I'm from. Uh, the places that I've, I've grown up with and have a better understanding of the factors that shape those places. That's not saying that being over there was a mistake. Not at all. Where'd you get out? What'd you get? What kind of perspective did you get by doing that kind of work? I would say that the perspective that I got is, again, leading back to the interconnectivity thesis of geography, is uh, ecological systems function across scales. So speaking of climate change, it's, it's a global problem, but you can it's caused by local factors, and it needs to be uh, addressed with local solutions. Um, so, well, I... So it's interesting. I mean, doing the travel and bringing it back here, mm-hmm. you know, you've got the hiking, you've got the geography look, everything else. What, in terms of influences, do you see that as sort of a straight path that brought you to where you are today and where you may be headed, which I'll ask you about in a minute, mm-hmm. but, or is it sort of, it takes a while to figure out what you're doing? Cause, and I'm, what, what I'm going, more and more, you know, you're supposed to be in eighth grade and know what you're going to major in in college these days. So it's, where's that, how's that wanderlust and everything else? Yeah, into I, I didn't know what I was going to major in until I was a junior in, in college. I, I actually began as a biology major with the desire to specialize in ecology, but at Penn State, biology is essentially a, a pre-medicine degree. So actually, um, the path that led me to geography is I was in the process of designing my own major trying to unify my interests in ecology and my, my interests in politics. And as part of that process, you had to defend why the major you were designing is different from every major offered at the university. And then I stumbled upon geography, which is at Penn State, all, but almost nobody goes into geography as a freshman. Almost everybody either takes it as an elective and discovers that it's, mm-hmm. it's an approach that's very valuable to them or, you know, so it's a circuitous path. Yeah, so it you, takes you there. You've got these tools. You've got these experiences. You, you're doing various things right now. What do you want to do? What do you want to achieve? I mean, you're at a point. I get to. I'm looking back a lot. I'm mm-hmm. still looking forward, but looking back, you get to really look forward. What's that? What's that look forward mean? Or what's in that? So, in terms of Pennsylvania. Uh, I feel as though Pennsylvania could learn from its past a little bit better. So we have this this legacy of the coal industry um, that has left a, a huge scar. Of course, it led to economic development and there were a lot of benefits that we got from coal. But uh, I think in the future, it's, it's better to um, not dig a hole than have to dig yourself out of it in the future. Well, that's, I have not heard that one. I like that. Tommy's probably done it. Or is that your original one that we're going to bumper sticker? I mean, you could put a trademark after it. I think it's copyrighted. Anyways, so going forward, you see yourself doing sort of the private practice world, the public, the nonprofit, government, or just sort of seeing that wanderlust gets in there and you sort of take things as they may. 
again, this is the geographer in me, but um, I think that problems are solved best through partnerships and interactions between private, public, volunteer, civilian sector, which is something that uh, really interests me about the, the PEC. Is, um, I mean, it has its ties in the, uh, in the state government, but it's also working, cascading down across scales because, you know, the state government can't fix everything. They need to work with local conservation organizations to actually get projects done. So you're looking at, I look at, I have the opportunity to look across at projects that are being done that, you know, the Foundation Principal Watershed is doing that uh, other folks are doing and see a lot of sort of interconnection and history and other pieces there. But you get to look at it with sort of fresh eyes and mm -hmm. does it look like we're doing the right thing in Pennsylvania or that we've screwed up for the last 20 years or that there's something that can be salvaged or something should be scrapped or it's all wonderful? I think that we may have screwed up for the past hundred years, but I think in the last 20 years, it seems as though Pennsylvania has been getting its act together more and more. I mean, the coal industry was entirely unregulated until 1977. Go for it. Well, that was Smackra. Yeah, so Smack that, yeah, Smackra. Not, not entirely. Yeah, but. not but Smackra came in, yeah, for mm -hmm. the Surface, Surface Mining Reclamation Control Act, mm -hmm. which did a lot. So, so I, I think that's where partnerships can help us in the future, is not allowing businesses to take their course and be focused on profit and then having an antagonistic relationship with environmental organizations, environmental regulation. I think that sort of butting of heads produces digging holes and then having to fill them back in. That's great. Well, digging holes, you were with us uh, recently, from the date of this recording at least, doing a tree planting in Wiser State Forest. Mm -hmm. uh, and that was a mix of different folks uh, northwest of Harrisburg in the Wiser State Forest. And it was folks really trying to make a difference for the future. And mm -hmm. have you seen other projects like that? Do you see others or do you think there should be more? I absolutely think there should be more. Um, my sort of experience in the ecological scene is primarily academic and a frustration of mine in academics is that often information is produced and it stays within that community. It stays, it's published in a journal, and unless you subscribe to that journal, you never learn about it. So that was my first introduction to you and Mr. John Dawes and the Foundation of Pennsylvania Watersheds. And, um, I mean, it was literally getting down in the dirt, yeah. making things happen, and that, that was really... Uh, inspired me in terms of sticking with this, something that I wanted to be a part of. Which we're very excited about. But I also want the information stains were compartmentalized you were talking about. Mm -hmm. You're of a generation that is much more adept at social media and data and clouds and everything else. Does that, do you see that making a difference in how the sort of conservation environmental movement moves forward? I, I certainly do. I think that um, technology and information can sort of push society in one of two directions, primarily depending upon accessibility. So technology can either be a, a centralizing force or it can be a democratizing force. So that's something that I'm particularly interested in is dissemination and accessibility of information. So you know about where you live and um, its history and ways in which, I mean, I, I uh, didn't know that Many of the places that I grew up backpacking were abandoned mine lands until I had the maps to look at when I was in college. Um, 
And I think that the more people with the ability to look at more information, the better the world will be. All right. Do you consider yourself a geographer? I do. Yeah. Does that mean you're a storyteller? Um, yeah. That's, I think that's a that's a good way to put it. It uh, geography is very historical, but I, I again leading back to GIS. Does GIS give you solutions to problems? No. It uh, gives you information about where you came from, and that can inform how you should proceed into the future. So if you were going to try to do, let's use GIS, which mm -hmm. is done, for those who don't know, in layers of information that you can sort of pile on each other mm -hmm. uh, and, and take some on and off, How what layers would you pick to tell the story of you? Hmm. I would tell the story of, you could tell the story of where my family came from, upstate New York. They were dairy farmers. Um, the story of all of the places that I've been, both in Pennsylvania and New York, and then also South Africa, Botswana, Haiti, Northern California, um, places that in, informed me about the both the variety of the natural world and the variety of the political world, too. Um, international to national and community scales of organizations and how all of these organizations really need to work together. And that, I think that's an amazing analogy too to use for how all these issues are approached now is that you can look at them as data mm -hmm. and then interpret that whether it's demographic information or political boundaries or mm -hmm. the extent of the hellbender or mm -hmm. where the abandoned mine lands are and that's uh, that probably represents a great opportunity for somebody with your background to start doing some of this work there's a nod there all right <laughs> uh, so Going forward, what do you see for yourself going forward now? Um, so I've really appreciated this opportunity to get the, the lay of the conservation land in, in Pennsylvania. I understand all of the actors at work, but I feel I would like to have more technical ability. Uh, I am have some GIS capacity, but most of the software that I know how to use is technical, expensive. The, the data layers that you can utilize, again, are expensive and um, for application is relatively narrow because of who can who can use them. So something that I would like to learn more about and hopefully try to, to leverage in the conservation scene is you know, using the internet, using more accessible and free and easy to use software so anybody can get a hold of this data and use their knowledge, their history to try to look into the future and solve problems. Very cool. All right. One last thing. Going into a long weekend here as we record this, what are you going to do for fun? Or what would you prefer to do if you're not going to do it? What I would intend, actually, this, this weekend is my oldest preference bachelor party, and then <laughs> next weekend is the wedding. And what I was pitching was actually renting a cabin on Raystown Lake, yeah. um, just south of, south of State College around Rough Rock, but uh, we couldn't get a cabin big enough, but I'm hoping to drag the 13 guys out into the woods, go on a hike at least, try and jump in some water when it's hot out. Fantastic. That's I think that's a great line for everybody, which is just get out. Mm -hmm. Go out and enjoy it. Well, Evan, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, great to have you here. Great to have you thinking about the future of conservation and restoration of Pennsylvania. And, uh, you know, watch out for this guy because you'll probably be hearing from him a bunch over the coming years. It's my Thanks. pleasure. Thank you for having me. Our pleasure.
Pennsylvania Legacies is a production of the Pennsylvania Environmental Council. The views expressed by guests and even by the host are not necessarily those of the Pennsylvania Environmental Council. Our thanks to Regan Curry, who produces this show for us, and also to Very Tight Recordings and Matt, who provides us with the studio space in Sharpsburg, Pennsylvania. Check him out. It's a great facility if you need recording work. And look for the Pennsylvania Environmental Council at www.pecpa.org. Thanks for listening.